This is it. This is a turning point in human history. Truly a groundbreaking moment. BRICS have just added six new countries, more than doubling their membership. And words fail me. Worlds fail me. I mean, this is truly the entire geopolitical map of the world being redrawn. The, the, a, a shift in global power. Okay. The countries are presented here by uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, who's the, not, not only the host of this BRIC summit in Johannesburg in South Africa, but the president of South Africa. And he gave us the word this morning. We have decided to invite the Argentine Republic, the Arab Republic of Egypt, the Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates Oof. to become full members of BRICS. Oof. The membership will take effect from the 1st of January. Oh my God. Do you know what has just happened? I'm accredited to cover the BRICS summit, okay? So I've been watching and and writing and, and reporting and reading and witnessing the show for three days straight. Look at the map. Look at the map. We have BRICS, so Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa in red, okay? And now, in addition to that, in addition, in green, Argentina down here. Up here, we have Egypt. Down there, we've got Ethiopia. Then Iran. Then the Emirates. Uh, and, uh, of course, Saudi Arabia. I mean, th this is insane. Do you know now that out of the top 10 oil producers on the planet, six of those top 10 countries are now in BRICS? This changes everything. This changes everything. So now we, you know, this begs the question, why were these countries chosen? Because remember, you have to approve a new BRICS member by unanimous consent. And this is the first time in 13 years that they have accepted not just a new member, but new members. Yes? So originally it was just BRIC. Brazil, Russia, India, China. And then they added South Africa uh, alone, South Africa, in, in 2010. So now for 13 years, nothing. And again, I want you to look at the map. Look in yellow. How many countries applied for membership? So the ones in yellow didn't get it, but they applied nonetheless. You have 40 plus uh, heads of state coming to, to Johannesburg to speak. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, I, I was, it was like watching the UN General Assembly. You know, you were one uh, uh, head of state after the other, one country after the other, giving a speech. Truly, truly like watching the UN, right? Like being in the GA. That's how big this is. And keep in mind, most of those countries, most of those heads of state are not even in BRICS. And they still come to the conference. Because they understand the weight. They understand the importance. The colossal behemoth that BRICS is. So why did they pick these countries? Down in South America, I mean, Argentina is an obvious choice, right? This is the second largest country in South America, 
the second largest economy in South America. And on top of that, Argentina has, besides beef, <laughs> everyone likes to think um, it's, it's just about beef. No, they have lithium. Lithium is crucial for batteries. Uh, you know that because uh, they could uh, Morales in Bolivia to get his lithium. Argentina has gas. And Argentina is one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Remember, we are talking about the, the uh, so-called, you know, undeveloped world, right? So up until this point, it's been, oh, the, the West, the first world, and then the peasants, right? The undeveloped or developing countries, like they, they haven't caught up. Well, yeah, you, you know, you rob someone blind for a, a couple hundred years. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be at a fair advantage. But here's the thing. All of that, I mean, you know, they've come in and thrown the table over. It, it's gone. It's out the window. Bricks right now. When those six countries exceed in January, will comprise 47% of the world population. You might as well just say half. You might as well just say half. You know, round, round up, okay? <laughs> it's a small roundup. Just a tiny one. I promise. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Half of the world's population will live in BRICS countries in January. January is when they um, will give the... So basically what happened is they applied, and then today, you know, they, their uh, applications were accepted, and, and then the official um, ceremony is in January, right? So just look at this. I mean, um, the population, right? 46 here. Um, the South Africans said 47. Uh, the point is the same. The GDP, I mean, this is madness, right? Look at the, the GDP already before it was colossal. But you were talking about 30%, roughly 30% of the, of the global economy, right? So that's GDP of uh, around 30 trillion, 30.5 trillion dollars. Again, let's round it up a little and say 33%, one third of the world economy. Oil production, 43% coming out of these BRICS countries. Now, I don't... <laughs> I'm going to get to... to. I don't know if it's <laughs> it's misinformation, yeah, you know, just stupidity, or just people, uh, you know, fishing for likes. But I saw so many posts with, with people saying that now BRICS countries have 80% of, of the world's oil production. No, they don't. What are you getting 80% from? Because you don't have to oversell it. When I tell you 43%... <laughs> BRICS countries account for 43% of oil production. That is madness in and of itself. You don't have to go and double the figure and start, you know, adding OPEC countries. And no, these things are different. Okay? Very, very different. So, the figures speak for themselves. We are talking about a block, a true block that is not just, you know, a, a hegemon, but it's a, it's a multipolar block. The multipolar, the multipolar world is already here. Right? It is already here. This is why I told you, you are witnessing history. You know, like, so, so, sometimes people wish they could have a time machine and go back in time to witness history. I, I swear to you, this is one of the most important political events in our lifetimes. And this, people will look back on this day for decades to come. That this was the moment <laughs> that people in Wall Street, that people in the city... City of London is the, the financial district uh, in our beloved and lovely capital, right? People, people in those Western banks are now going, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, 
Yes. Hmm. The tables have turned. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, there were so many countries at, at this summit. Like I told you, I felt I was just watching a UN General Assembly. Let me show you some clips. Really, really great clips. Um, from uh, Let's start with, with uh, Zambia. Okay? L- listen to what the president had to say. We need to reform the global order. In particular to address the inequities associated with critical ingredients to development, such as capital. The cost of capital is what I'm talking about. Africa, as we have already acknowledged, pays a higher cost of capital than any other on the globe. Certainly, the BRICS platform could and should be used to work through, to expedite the reform processes around this issue, which is inhibiting development, which our young populations much need to create opportunities for education, health, uh, business, work, as it were, and other life-improving activities. Secondly, Mr. Chairman, to... So he's talking about um, loan sharks, you know, debt traps. So what happens is the World Bank and the, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, uh, you know these are these are institutions that were created post World War Two, just like the Bretton Woods financial system was put in place. You know, oh, we're going to make the dollar the global reserve currency, and everything's going to be done in dollars, and we're going to base it off of gold. And um, you know, this entire Western and American, specifically financial system that has been put in place, has been screwing over uh, global South countries and specifically African countries, right? It's a, it's a continuation of colonialism under a different name. Yes. So let's look at, let's look at Africa because now we don't just have South Africa, which chaired this summit and, and, you know, acceded to BRICS, uh, 13 years ago. Now we have an additional two African countries within BRICS. Okay. We have Egypt and we have Ethiopia. Why Egypt? I mean, right off the bat, uh, this was a, a, a close one between Nigeria and Egypt, right? Uh, Nigeria lost out to Egypt, uh, as you can see on the map they applied. And the reason that Egypt was chosen, chosen is, first of all, rem- remember what BRICS is. It's, it's uh, certainly, you know, a block that, um, a multilateral block that is based off of mutual interest, an economic block. But at the end of the day, whether they like it or not, this is a geopolitical entity. And you, when you look at the Middle East, I mean, this is uh, quite frankly the center of the world and always has been since the dawn of man. Religion, politics, yeah, agriculture itself, uh, you know, writing, the alphabet and musical notes themselves come from the Middle East, from Mesopotamia, from Iraq, Syria, Palestine, and Egypt. Egypt is the most populous Arab country, okay? Egypt, look at the map, Egypt has access to the Mediterranean Sea, and more importantly, not just the Red Sea, but the Suez Canal. I mean, wars have been waged (laughs) over the Suez Canal, yes? Wars have been waged. This is not just some random strait or some random passage, okay? It was very smart of them to take Egypt, very, very smart. Now, look at Ethiopia. Ethiopia has got 123 million people, okay? So, it's a bit more than Egypt, yeah? It is the second most populous 
uh, country in Africa, and its economy is one of the the fastest growing economies in the world. Okay, let me let me just read to you something from from the World Bank. I know it's the World Bank, unfortunately, but <laughs> look at what they say here. So Ethiopia ha- had an estimated uh, so it's an econ- economy had an estimated growth rate of 6.4% in the fiscal year of 2021-2022. I mean, that, that is ridiculous, right? You know, Europe, European countries can barely, can barely scrape together 1%, right? So this is on not exactly Chinese rate of growth, but, you know, on the way there, on the way, certainly, right? 6.4%. I mean, uh, European countries could dream of having that. (laughs) Yeah. So, Ethiopia is an obvious, obvious choice. And look where it's based, of course, in the Horn of Africa. In the Horn of Africa. Okay. Once again, strategic. And while it is landlocked, right? So, so Ethiopia is a landlocked country, meaning it does not, unfortunately, it does not have access to the Red Sea, um, nor the Strait. uh, uh, So, right here, Right on the Horn of Africa. Nevertheless, it is enormous. I mean, look look at the size of the countries. There's a trend here. You see, BRICS really had to sit down, Modi, right, and Putin, and uh, Ramaphosa and Lula and Xi Jinping really had to sit down and go through this multiple times. Uh, what is the criteria for accepting a country into BRICS? Because it's highly coveted now. Everyone wants to be part of BRICS. So now we have to, you know, raise the threshold a little bit. What is the criteria? Now look, when when you talk about a, a geopolitical block, you cannot avoid hard power. It is hard power by its very nature. These countries are huge. Argentina is huge, right? Egypt is huge. Ethiopia is huge. And then look and look at what we have next. Right here Saudi Arabia, the UAE and Iran. Oh my god. <laughs> the oil is just dripping. <laughs> the oil is just dripping from the sky. <laughs> Saudi Arabia is the world's top oil producer, man. <laughs> I told you. And on top of that, you got Iran. Iran with its gas. Do you know do you know after Russia, Iran has the most uh, so the largest proven um, reserves of gas in the world. I mean that that market is completely you know untapped in in, in comparison, um, uh, you know uh, regarding the uh, the oil right and 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 Iran has like you know millions of barrels just sitting there waiting to be sold because of these stupid sanctions that they put on them. Okay, so you look at Saudi Arabia. And Iran specifically, I mean, they had a, a, a peace deal that was recently mediated by who? By the Chinese. So now this is actually very good for the two because they will be forced. I'm pleased to see this. You know, really, I am. They, they will sort of be obliged to work together even more by, by being in BRICS, right? Just, just by being in that organization together, they will have to work together more. And, and this is good. This is diplomacy. This is productive. So the thing is that when we talk about uh, uh, these top oil producers, and again, UAE is included among them, 
right? We cannot escape the issue of the petrodollar. So this is very weird, right? Like Saudi Arabia um, is the key to the petrodollar. And for those of you who don't know, um, at the end of World War II, the Americans and the Saudis, you know, they reached an agreement. The United States would uh, provide Saudi Arabia with security, with weapons, right? And they turned Saudi Saudi Arabia, you know, re- into the 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 in addition to Israel, the regional policeman, right? But that's not working out as they planned. And so the, de- the the deal was that in exchange for security from the United States, Saudi Arabia would only sell oil in dollars, right? And by doing that, by doing that, that would give the dollar its prestige and its value, right? So how come Saudi Arabia is now <laughs> moving away from the United States and in, in multiple domains, right? So diplomatically, when we talk about the peace deal with Iran, the United States hates Iran, right? Because um, they they put sanctions on Iran, the nuclear deal. Uh, you know, I've, I've covered, I've been covering the nuclear deal this second time round uh, when they've tried to renegotiate or revive it. I mean, it's it's quite dead, uh, honestly, unfortunately for the moment. You know, and so that they justify their sanctions that way and think that they're very smart. But th- this is this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the United States, the last thing that they want to see is their, uh, um, you know, their, their, the cow, the petrol cow that they're milking in Saudi Arabia moving away from Israel, right? So no, no normalization with Israel. And on, on top of that, it's not just goodbye Israel. They're just doing a 180 and going towards Iran and Syria and Yemen and thawing uh, ties, right? normalizing ties with the United States, quote-unquote, enemies. I mean, I don't know what they ever did to the United States. The United States just bullying them. But do you see here the, the trend? So in the last year alone, you've had Saudi Arabia refusing to normalize with Israel, going in the opposite direction, and in addition to that, at OPEC+, Plus, the OPEC+, Plus cut oil production by 2 million barrels. The funny thing here is that, you know, of course, when you when you do that, the price of oil goes up, and if you are a major oil producer, you make more money. <laughs> the thing is that everyone said, well, of course, it's the Russians who must have suggested this because of the sanctions. They're trying to recoup their losses and so on. <laughs> losses. Uh, no, actually, the Russians suggested a cut of, of one million uh, barrels, and it's the Saudis who said, let's do two million, right? Drive the price up even more. And And now... The fate of the petrodollar hangs in the balance. <laughs> you love to see it. You just love to see it. <laughs> oh my god. Just a small reaction uh to the BRIC summit. <laughs> Goodbye, petrodollar. <laughs> oh man. And look at Iran. Look at Iran. Wow. I mean, in addition to the gas, the oil, uh, the size of the country. I mean, look, it's like half the size of Europe, right? Iran has suffered so much under these sanctions, right? Just like Syria. And the United States, the goal of the United States and the EU was to isolate Iran as much as possible, right? Oh, Iran is building a nuclear weapon. Oh, Iran is doing this and that. You know, whatever excuse they want to find. 
and and you know Donald Trump pulled out of the deal and he he slapped Iran with the sanctions. He violated the agreement and they hit the banking sector, the oil sector, every sector. I mean, they just they tanked Iran's economy. But Iran did not uh, stay down. You know, Iran put up a fight. Iran, despite the sanctions, has uh, one of the most advanced uh, nuclear civilian civilian not weapons civilian nuclear programs in the world. Uh, they have one of the most advanced um, uh, nano industries in the world. Their defense, which is you know their defense uh, um, sector, which is not an industry that they make money with, but a, re- a true defense sector to defend themselves from the United States from Israel, is formidable. It is the backbone of the axis of resistance. The backbone. The Iran is the reason that uh, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, Palestine are able to stand up to the American and Israeli invaders, right? Without their support, things would crumble. That doesn't mean they, they, run, they run things, but they support them because out of principle. And so now Iran, which the United States tried to isolate, joined the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. <laughs> and now is in BRICS. Wow, well done with those sanctions. You've, you've surely shown them. <laughs> Wow, that isolation is going really well, you fools, you pathetic fools, you dim-witted half-wits. As I said, um, when I was giving a speech in London a few weeks ago, you know, we have sanctioned so many countries that we have sanctioned ourselves. And that is exactly what is taking shape here. Exactly. We have isolated ourselves. Iran is not isolated. So these sanctions are backfiring. That is one of the main reasons for these applications. You have to remember that when the United States put sanctions on Russia uh, after the war escalated and exploded on February 24th, 2022, the United States didn't just put sanctions on the Russians. It did something that it has never dared to do before to anyone. It stole $300 billion dollars from the Russian Central Bank, right? They took their foreign exchange reserves. I mean, this is unheard of. You know, this this is a default. You cannot just go around and steal 300 billion in foreign exchange reserves from another country. You're sending a signal to the rest of the world that they should never use dollars because if if they, you know, if, if they happen to anger the United States, they will get punished and have their money stolen. You're, but the United States, by doing this, sent a message to the world that you should never leave your money <laughs> in foreign and, and specifically Western banks, even if you are a state. Uh, again, this is unheard of. So everyone was watching this happen, and they, they certainly got the message. And that is why they are running away. You know, they are running in the opposite direction, away from the Western financial system. This was really the last straw, I suppose, right? Because they're all thinking, well, what if I anger the United States? Are they, are they going to you know, take $300 billion from me? <laughs> I don't, you, know, you, you have to amass quite, uh, <laughs> quite a bit. But do, do you understand the political ramifications of this? This is outrageous. It is truly outrageous. That's half of Russia's uh, central bank's re- reserves. That is why you have so many applications. I mean, just look at the map. Dozens of applications. 
this speaks for itself, right? It is not the only reason, however. This is not the only reason. People are fed up with colonialism. You know, the IMF and the World Bank, what they do is they will loan countries money, right? Whether it's Lebanon or, or uh, you know, pick, pick your global south. Take your pick from the global south. They will loan them money, but only under certain conditions, right? So they, they'll portray it as, well, we're trying to help you, right? We're the, we're the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. We care about you. We care about development. And you go on their website and they have all these, you know, lovely slogans and lovely photos and a picture of some wheat, you know, <laughs> and grain. You know, we only care about making the world better. Oh. Well, here's the catch. There's always a catch. The catch is that, well, if you want this money, and we can clearly see that you need the money because, you know, we've been plundering your country for 500 years. How could you not need the money? Then you must submit to certain conditions. Maybe those resources, those those oil fields or the gas that you have over there, you could give it to us, right, to, to, to compensate. Or you start making political modifications to your country. You know, in other words, we are going to meddle in your affairs. A loan shark, uh, you know, loan sharks, the mafia look like choir boys, right? They are altar boys compared to the IMF and the World Bank. <laughs> really. That is how evil those institutions are. And unfortunately, they are under the wing of the UN, unfortunately, right? And so this is why the New Development Bank, which is an equivalent developed by BRICS, is so, so important, okay? This is why all of these countries want to go and join BRICS. They want to have access to the capital and to the, the power that the New Development Bank, based in Shanghai, uh, wields. You know, the, the bank has $100 billion in capital. Right. That means they can go and borrow hundreds of billions of dollars. They can do a lot with that money. But the thing is, they don't screw you like the IMF. They, there's no catch, right, like the IMF. That is the difference between the New Development Bank, which is the bank of BRICS, the BRICS bank, right? That's the difference between the New Development Bank, the NDB, and the IMF. That is why... Almost every single speech that I've been watching for the for the last three days, right? Um, and and trust me, I have <laughs> I've watched a lot of speeches. Um, every single speech mentions colonization, right? They mention uh, the sanctions. They mention the unfair uh, conditions, the debt traps of the IMF, and this is why when I played you earlier. Uh, this clip from, from the president of Zambia, he mentioned that. Pay attention again. Critical ingredients to development such as capital. The cost of capital is what I'm talking about. Africa, as we have already acknowledged, pays a higher cost of capital than any other on the globe. Certainly, the BRICS platform could and should be used to work through, to expedite the reform processes around this issue, which is inhibiting development, which our young populations much need to create opportunities for education, health, yes. uh, business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to tell you something. The head of the bank, 
who who was actually um, the president of Brazil at one time, right? Dilma Rousseff. She told the the FT, the Financial Times, that the new development bank is going to uh, make sure that 30% of all the loans will be in local tenders, okay? So, again, just to reiterate, the BRICS bank is going to make sure that 30% of all the loans that they give BRICS countries are in local tenders. That means uh, rupees, right? For example, from India, or Russian rubles, or the rand uh, from South Africa. I cannot overstate how important this is. This is unheard of. It's unheard of. For the last decades, right, uh, since the end of World War II, it's always been about dollar this and dollar that. Not anymore. So in August already, this month, you had a South African rand bond issued by the NDB. And they're going to sell a bond in October based on Indian rupees. I mean, it speaks for itself. It really does. And, and I want to I tell you something, because one of the great expectations regarding this summit was the uh, issue of a gold-backed trade currency, right? And, and I said myself that because the Russian embassy in Kenya had mentioned this, and, uh, you know, they, basically the BRICS countries confirmed this, are we going to see something during the summit? Uh, I'm, my gut feeling was that no, because, you know, you don't just create a, a gold-backed trade currency overnight and de-dollarize overnight. Right. Um, and even even the issue of expansion, of expanding BRICS and adding these new members was not guaranteed. And I told you guys uh, uh, this when I was live and when I was on Twitter, right, that these things are not guaranteed. Now, what does that mean for de-dollarization? Well, what I just explained to you with issuing bonds in local tenders and also loaning, you know, up to 30 percent of their loans being in local tenders, that is de-dollarization, uh, you know. It applied and in practice, just by its very nature, that is de-dollarization. The gold-backed trade currency, when we see it one day, will be based on weight, okay? This is so, so important because it will be completely different uh, from the way that the uh, the dollar is linked to gold, right? And um, <laughs> I, I will do a specific video on, on this issue uh, afterwards. But they did mention the currency many times, right? I'll play you this clip from Lula, where he mentions it. Uh, Lula, the the uh, Brazilian president. We have surpassed the G7 already, accounting for 32 percent of the world GDP in purchasing power parity. Forecasts indicate that emerging and developing markets are the ones that will show the highest growth rate in the coming years. While, according to the IMF, while industrialized countries are expected to grow by an average of 2.7% in 2022, dropping to 1.4 to 2024, the projected growth for developing countries is of 4% for this period. This shows that the dynamism of the economies in the global south and the BRICS is its driving force. Exactly what I told you. I mean, 2.2% is very generous already. <laughs> very generous. Let me play you uh, the Chinese uh, president, Xi Jinping. International rules must be written and upheld jointly by all countries 
based on the purposes and principles of the UN Charter, rather than dictated by those with the strongest muscles or the loudest voice. Ganging up to form exclusive groups and packaging their own rules as international norms are even more unacceptable. BRICS countries should practice true multilateralism, stick to solidarity, and oppose division. Man, I, I swear to God, every time a Chinese representative, whether it was um, uh, Xi Jinping or uh, uh, his, his um, 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 ministers and diplomats, every time they spoke, they, they put these amazing, uh, you know, proverbs uh, into it. Uh, I think... Um, Hold on, I, I'd written some of them down. I, well, I'll, I'll get back to them later. But in any case, look, this is what Putin had to say. Now, there was a lot of, um, you know, a commotion about Putin. Oh, Putin is appearing via video link. Oh, look, he's so weak. Oh, look at him. There's an ICC arrest warrant out um, uh, on him, and he, he he's unable to travel. He's isolated. He's cornered. He is incapable when they announced that Putin was going to speak, so he he had a pre-recorded speech the first time and then appeared live uh, multiple times after. As soon as they announced Putin, the whole crowd, the whole room, they started whooping and cheering and clapping like crazy. They did that for no other leader during the entire summit. Nothing. Make of that what you will. But it certainly is not weakness, is it? possible to preserve national cultures and identities and traditions. Let me... And BRICS is not competing with anyone and is not opposing itself to anyone. But it's also obvious that this objective process, the process of emerging of a new world order, still has fierce opponents who try to slow down this process to contain the emergence of new independent centers. Right, so sometimes during the, um, uh, you know, the interpreters are on one channel and uh, the speaker is on the, the other. So it, they sometimes get um, mixed up together, but it's good they have them separate channels. In any case, what Putin is saying is that they are not going, the West are not going to watch BRICS grow uh, into this behemoth, this r amazing regional bloc, um, and not do anything. They will be hostile. And, and already, I mean, in, in the last days, you can see how they're attacking the idea of BRICS and saying, well, oh, well they don't really have any power. You know, yes, they they have a good chunk of the world population, but, you know, they, they're not a political bloc. They're not like the EU, you know, and NATO, who are <laughs> um, uh, lovely organizations. They, they can't, they, they don't wield any real power. Jesus, I mean, I, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Pathetic clown show. So, you know, they'll take jabs at BRICS itself, and then they take jabs add to the idea of a gold-backed trade currency. You, they do this because it makes them nervous, because what's happening right now is the end of the Western uh, uh, financial uh, monetary system and Western hegemony and dominance over the global south. This is the global south decolonizing. Do you understand? It's, it's not about de-dollarizing. It goes beyond that. I'm telling you, dozens and dozens and dozens of heads of state from all over the planet were speaking here. And all of them had the same message. We want to determine our future. Uh, we want to make our own way. We will pave our own path. And that is it. 
we're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to accept colonialism. We're not going to we're not going to accept you know these hostile terms that they give us uh, just um, uh, in exchange for a development loan. This is over. Here's Maduro speaking at, at the summit. The BRICS are playing a fundamental role in the geopolitical dynamics that have fostered trust among the peoples and governments of Latin America, the Caribbean, Africa, and Asia with the development model and values of mutual respect. The BRICS countries represent 31.7% of the global GDP, 30% of the territory, 43% of the population, and 18% of the international trade. These nations control 8.7% of the world's oil reserves, 25.2% of gas reserves, and contribute 40% of global energy, 42% of the renewable energy usage, and 37% of energy consumption a presidente music to my ears it's music to my ears (laughs) this is what i love about this because this is not just a bunch of countries getting together these are the countries that produce things these are the countries with the largest populations these are the countries with the largest land masses, the, 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 the largest territories, right? We're talking about Russia, the, the largest country on earth. Uh, we're talking about China. The, the countries like India uh, that have billions of people, right, in their population. We are talking about countries with natural resources. So this colonial uh, crap has come to an end. They are going to, to forge their own path, and that is what is happening. Let me show you here what um, Cyril Ramaphosa was saying, the South African president. Noted that there is global momentum for the use of local currencies, alternative financial arrangements, and alternative payment systems. As BRICS, we are ready to explore opportunities for improving the stability reliability and fairness of the global financial architecture. In this regard, BRICS leaders have tasked their finance ministers and central bank governors as appropriate to consider the issue of local currencies, Mm -hmm. payment instruments, and platforms, and to report back to the BRICS leaders by the next summit. I mean, th- th- this is truly explosive. Unbelievable. This is not just talk anymore. These are not just dreams. This is happening. This is action. They are acting upon this. And as I said, using local currencies, local tenders, like um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, President Ramaphosa just mentioned, this is the first step towards uh, a gold-backed trade currency and de-dollarization. This is the first step. And you have to understand that having a BRICS currency, um, you know, whenever that comes about, this is going to be very, very good. And the fact that they've already 
uh, exceeded now uh, these these six countries and and brought the total to eleven is is very important because when you, when you in the future um, have twenty countries, thirty countries, and you have this currency, you know Russia, for example, can sell oil uh, to to India, okay, um, and then India pays them in brick pounds or whatever you want to call it, okay. Let's just say brick currency. So. India give Russia this brick currency. Then Russia goes, for example, uh, to China and buys rice with it. Okay? And then the Chinese take this brick currency and they go to Iran and they get some gas. And now you have an ecosystem, you know, a, 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 a monetary and financial system that is independent of the dollar, that is independent of the IMF, of the World Bank, and it's actually making people's lives better. Do you understand? Uh, there was so much emotion in, in these speeches that, that they gave throughout the summit. R- really, I want to show you one over here, you know, recalling the, the, uh, the colonial history um, and, and the bond between Latin America and Africa, as this was the, the president of Bolivia. We should not forget that as part of the process of European colonization in America, thousands of Africans were brought by force to work as slaves on the plantations, mines, or on the haciendas, and farms generally in subhuman conditions. African blood runs through our Latin American veins. African blood also fertilized our libertarian and liberation struggles. In memory of all so he then goes on to talk about um, Nelson Mandela, you know, father of the South African uh, independence movement, uh, the movement against apartheid, and Patrice Lumumba, who was assassinated, who was who was uh, targeted, killed, uh, destroyed by the forces of colonialism. Right? Why is that? Because people like Patrice Lumumba actually tried to make their countries better. They tried to break away, and now you're seeing in Niger, by the way, um, you know. This ECOWAS being used as a tool by France and the United States to put Niger back in line, right? You cannot have independent thinking and independent uh, uh, currencies. And remember, Libya and Gaddafi was all about uh, Gaddafi wanting an independent currency. Very much like what is being discussed at BRICS. Gaddafi's dream was very, very similar, if not identical. He wanted a a golden dinar, an African currency, just like you have a euro um, in Europe. You know, why can't Africa with its 54 countries also have its own currency, especially when Africa is the richest uh, uh, continent in terms of resources. You name it, gold, diamonds, oil, it's all there. Why shouldn't African countries sell their resources on their own terms in their own currency? You get killed for that kind of talk. Gaddafi is an example, and they certainly made an example out of him. But now this has gone beyond their control. There's nothing they can do about this. This is, you know, this BRIC summit, this 15th BRIC summit, is game over. It is game over for Western hegemony. It is not going to happen overnight, but it is going to happen eventually and sooner rather than later. When When the Ukraine war started and they began this sanctioning nonsense, that was the final straw. And already for several years, they had already been putting BRICs together, right? And And creating alternatives to SWIFT. Because they knew, they knew what's coming, and they knew this is untenable. 
they also criticized the UN Security Council, you know, and and rightfully so. I mean, you know, why should why should five countries <laughs> appoint and anoint themselves as you know uh, uh, superior to the others and have a veto uh, and a permanent seat on the on the UN Security Council? There are issues, that, and this is Lula, I believe, who, who raised it. There are issues that the UN Security Council cannot fix, doesn't fix, right? So, there, you know, there were people, there were leaders mentioning that the UN has failed its mandate, which is sad, which is very sad. I mean, this is really something, something uh, uh, extraordinary. This is really something extraordinary. I cannot overstate how important this is. And you must understand that BRICS is not an anti-Western organization. I mean, they'd be well within their right if they wanted to after what we did to China with the opium wars and what we did to Russia, uh, you know. <laughs> Nevertheless, actually, it's Putin. He is the one who stressed this uh, during um, one of his first uh, appearances at the summit. He said BRICS is not an anti-Western organization. N- not at all. In any capacity. He's not just saying that. Uh, Xi Jinping says the same thing, all of them. You have to keep in mind, these countries, the fact that they are growing and, and large economies, they are the emerging markets, they don't really have the same foreign policy, do they? I mean, does Argentina have the same foreign policy as Russia or, or Iran? They're, they're, they're very different. Up until a few months ago, Saudi Arabia and Iran were not on speaking terms, right? So how come, you know, how is it that they're able to meet and work together. It's because there's a larger goal. Uh, at, you know, th- there is a bigger thing here at play. They understand what's at stake. And it has nothing to do with being an anti-Western or, uh, organization or entity. They don't, they're not anti-anything. They're pro-development. They are pro-independence and pro-freedom, right? Freedom, freedom, democracy, you know, the, the buzzwords, you, they, they love to, to, to feed you on the television. This is actual freedom. You know, deciding what currency you want to use, what resources and to whom you want to sell your resources. You know, controlling your destiny and your country, your soil, your very soil. This is what African countries, Asian countries, the Middle East, you know, uh, what the Global South have been fighting for for decades now. And I, I swear to you, this is the manifestation of decolonization. This is it. The West, you know, they're, they're open. Um, I mean, they're, they're free uh, to join BRICS and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization at any time. And I really mean that. There is literally nothing stopping uh, the United States, for example, from making an application to BRICS. Um, the, the thing is, though, it, they must change their behavior, right? It's not like IMF, like, oh, you need to do this, so I give you that. No, 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 no. We're talking about, you know... Playing it cool, no more hostilities, right? Calming down, ending the sanctions, ending the weaponization of the dollar. The whole reason that people are, are, are you know, met and and converged at this at this conference at this summit is because they are sick of the sanctions and the neo-colonialism and the plundering. And who is responsible for that? We are responsible. The UK is responsible for that. The US is responsible for that. This is a fact. Now, if if we uh, somehow manage to get a decent government, which I, I don't think I will ever see in my lifetime, but if we had a decent government, if we had one that wasn't hostile, they would welcome us with open arms. I just say this, though. 
Macron, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, he, you know, he saw that there are 70 with a zero, 70 countries that have been invited to this summit. <laughs> and he was like, well, c- could I have an invitation? You know, he's thinking uh, that, je suis le roi. <laughs> you know, he thinks that he's in, he's in control, right? And he has some sort of prestige, right? Sorry, but uh, France, uh, you know, French is no longer the lingua franca and no one conducts business in French anymore. But nevertheless, he went and asked for an invitation to BRICS and they told him no. <laughs> you know, he thought that he could roll up to a, a summit where half of the leaders there are still suffering and at the goddamn summit in the first place because of France. I mean, how tasteless can you be? How tasteless can you be? Seriously, what, what, how arrogant. It is refreshing, I must say, to, to, to see him put back in his place. Oh, and by the way, the United States and the United Kingdom, we were not invited either. Hmm, I wonder why. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because half the half the audience if not more half the leaders in attendance uh were were subjugated and and colonized and and are there because they want to break free from colonialism that's why we didn't get an invitation but if we change our ways uh they would welcome us with open arms i just uh, I, I i tweeted <laughs> this also about you know the 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 bright people who thought that sanctioning Iran would isolate it and then you know the complete opposite has happened you see this is what happens when you start bullying people and uh you know uh, just behaving how you want they're going to go create a different system this is the beginning it is it's the acceleration rather (laughs) of a multipolar world and again we can join if we want but we have to change our ways uh, you know, I think uh, they would be very happy to have us if we would change our ways and make amends, right? There's a lot of, hmm, a lot of dinero to be made in reparations. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, I, I've said this many times and I don't care, I'll say it again. This is an extraordinary electric and and eccentric summit. I mean, you've never had so many people in attendance, world leaders in attendance, right? Over 40 world leaders, heads of state in attendance. What on earth would, would you know, cause them to meet um, in one place like that uh, besides the UN General Assembly? Nothing. Nothing. That is how powerful this is. They all understand what is going on here. Even the UN Secretary General was there. And it's kind of funny because, <laughs> you know... Uh, Right before him and after him, you got people saying, well, you know, you don't actually help us uh, and you just favor Israel and the United States and the UK. So, yeah, it's a shame. Hmm? Some final notes. Um, it is funny, though, because I saw a lot of like nonsense points online about like, oh, my God, BRICS is like I said, like oh, BRICS is 80 uh, percent of oil production in its palm what, wait, why do people say these things why do you you don't have to oversell bricks uh, you can just present it as it is and it is already uh, worthy of praise and and something indeed to be marveled at by its very nature it is a miracle truly now the fact that you have these six members who uh, who exceeded or shall exceed in january right 
this is very interesting because you know how the Western press would like to make fun of Putin and say, oh, he couldn't come to South Africa, to Johannesburg, and attend the summit because, you know, he's a criminal. He's cornered. He's isolated. Well, as I said, Russia, Russia will, um, because it's a ro- rotating chairmanship, Russia will take the presidency of BRICS next year in January. And uh, the uh, next summit is going to take place in Russia. And I guarantee you, there will be just as many world leaders in attendance, if not more. And they will be happy to come because they understand the value of what is happening here. They understand the value of this decolonization. BRICS is is a true alternative to Western hegemony. It's an alternative to the Western, the criminal Western financial and monetary system, right? Which it's not. It's not the people, the average Joe, you know. Um, in Britain or, or the United States is a bad person. No, it's a few people at the top, the people who run the banks, the people who call themselves leaders, right? A handful of criminals who are screwing over the world. You know, right now as we speak, the United States is plundering Syria, stealing God knows how many barrels uh, per day. I mean, really incurring billions in losses, not just with the oil, but the the destruction that has been wrought um on Syria for the last uh, 12 years now. People are sick of that. They want an alternative. They want respect. They want, uh, you know, to agree with the person sitting opposite them and not be talked down to and, you know, subjugated and controlled and, uh, you know, put in a little box and like like some some colony, right? Because colonialism never ended <laughs> until today. Hmm? In the history books, let the history books revise and note that decolonization did not begin in 1945. That's nonsense. That is nonsense. This is what it's really about, okay? This is what is really important and what you should pay attention to. And ironically, they, the Western press didn't really want to cover bricks that much because it makes them look so bad, right? It's like they, they don't understand why so many people are interested and then, and then, You'll get it one day. Mark my words, this is a turning point in history. This is a shift in global power. And, and again, this is not an anti-Western organization. This is a pro-global South organization. And next year, I think Algeria will be um, admitted to BRICS, right? I, I, I thought Algeria was a top contender. Let's look at the map real quick. Look at the size of Algeria. I mean, an absolute behemoth, right? I think... Um, I mean, definitely uh, the largest country in Africa after they they partitioned Sudan. But uh, not only that, I mean, Algeria is famous for um, (laughs) kicking the French out, which is a very good thing to be famous for. Uh, Their dates, and more importantly, in relation to BRICS, they have gas. When uh, the EU sanctioned Russia and these European leaders were like, oh, oh, that's right, we don't have any gas, oops. Where do you think Macron, the French president, went? He ran back to Algeria, a former French colony, and begged them like a poodle for gas, as did the Italians, by the way. It is refreshing to see countries control their own resources, their resources, their land. This is a shift in the balance of power, and you are seeing... uh, the entire geopolitical map of the world being redrawn right before your very eyes. 
So again, my name is Richard Medhurst, and um, you'll find all my reporting on BRICS uh, in the threads that I made on Twitter, and I'll link them below. They were live threads. I've got all the, the clips that you need to watch from all the speeches uh, and all the details in there. Thanks for watching. Thank you.